How do you mitigate your risk? Montel's forecasting services cover risks from hours ahead to years ahead. We welcome you to hedge your market exposure with our diverse forecasting portfolio. Contact us at sales@montelnews.com for more info and a free trial. listeners and welcome to the Montel Weekly Podcast, bringing you energy matters in an informal setting. Today, I'm away from under my stairs and in the Montel office at headquarters. I'm Richard Saracen. Today, we'll be talking about the extremely weak Nordic wholesale prices and what they mean for the region. How long will they last? What do they mean for investments? And PPAs, are the brakes on now? I'm joined today by Marius Holmrenesen, Senior Analyst at Temo Consulting, and my colleague, Ola Vilnes, Chief Editor Nordics at Montel. A warm welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you. These are fairly dramatic times, are they not, Marius? We've seen very, very low spot prices, especially in the, in the Oslo region. Yes, we have. Uh, it's a very special situation indeed. Uh, we, we've never seen these levels before, and, and they seem to persist for some time as well. So it's going to be an interesting uh, summer ahead and also an interesting fall. Absolutely. So... Can you give us the reasons for the drop? I mean, it's uh, all weather related, basically. We've had a winter that has been very warm, so consumption has been low. At the same time, we've got a lot of precipitation, especially as snow up in the mountains. And combined with that, we've also had a windy year, and we've also installed more wind capacity, so the wind power production has also increased. So we've got a combination of warm, windy and wet weather, which is kind of creating the perfect storm in the in the Nordic markets. Could you put the current hydrological surplus in a historical perspective? I mean, some estimates that it's, um, you know, it's at 28 terawatt hours currently down from around 40 in mid-April. How do you see this? No, I mean, we're at levels we haven't seen before. And, and the snow, uh, the amounts of snow up in the in the mountains has been extreme. We've seen 85 terawatt hours at the most, uh, which is double the normal. So the uh, the producers have been really struggling to get rid of the, the water in the reservoirs to make room for what's coming down now as this melting period has started. How long do you think we will continue to see single-digit spot prices? No, I mean, looking at the market now, we must expect to see them throughout uh, the summer months at least. This week, in a very special situation, the melting period really started now, and we've had outages on, on cables from southern Norway during the same period. So it kind of locks in that uh, extreme power surplus we do have, and that has led to prices going down almost to zero. I think we had 1.6 yesterday. That's quite extreme. When some of that uh, trade capacity comes up, some is coming up today. We also see more capacity uh, next week that will lead to a possibility of exporting more, which is a relief for, for the producers. But still, there's an extreme amount of snow that is melting and coming down in the reservoirs now. I mean, 80 watt terawatt hours, I mean, that's immense. That's almost the total yearly consumption of Norway. Yeah, I mean, it's exactly. not far off. Yeah. No. Uh, and that's, we've also seen, I mean, looking at the reservoirs level, we started way above normal. And then, you know, everybody has competed to be able to produce and, and we went down and, and crossed the normal some weeks ago and almost went down to the minimum level because we need to make room for that uh, water that is coming down during the melting period. And we saw a, a big jump again in, in the reservoir level the last week and, and see that the, uh, the melting period now is actually happening. 
because mm. it was delayed a few weeks. It usually is when it's a lot of snow, then it starts to melt a bit later. And we've had a bit colder weather for, for some weeks, but now the, the warm weather has, has really hit uh, most of the region. Absolutely. So what about what's the likelihood of negative prices in Norway and, and in Sweden? There, there, there were some instances earlier this year. Yeah, I mean, we, I think we still can see them in, in Sweden, especially in, in periods with a lot of wind power production as well. Uh, we have a lot of flexibility in the hydropower system in Norway. So, I mean, all the producers would like to avoid getting down there and rather restrict their uh, their production. But there's also limitation of more uh, on the regulatory side to prevent flooding, etc. You know, may force them to produce even uh, in periods that they rather not want to. There is a chance that we even can get negative prices, but I don't think it's it's very large. So that's also very much a rational choice question in a way that it's more rational for them to just let the water just run past the power plants than to risk the negative prices. It, it is. I mean, there there is a cost of, of producing as well, and you don't cover that cost when you see prices uh, down towards zero, mm-hmm. of course. So they would like to to avoid that. On the other hand, flood prevention is one thing. It's also kind of a, a reputational burden with letting the water flow past the turbines. So that's also something that some of them might might consider as well. Of course, yeah. We focus very much on what it, what it's uh, the producer's view, but surely for industry and for the consumers, this is great news, is it not? It is at least for those who can can actually enjoy the low prices. I mean, a lot of the uh, the large consumers also have locked in power prices in, in long term. Contracts, so they don't get the full reward of the very low prices. But for much of the service sector, for households, smaller industries, etc., it's a very good period for them. While we're sticking to prices, most, how quickly do you think we can see prices return to to 2019 levels of close to, to 40 euros? That's the big question, right? Because right now, the situation we've seen, the hydrological situation, the, the weather pattern is, is kind of overshadowing everything else. In the longer term, of course, the effects of the COVID virus will be an important factor going forward. What will happen to to industry demand for power? So far, we've seen almost no effect in the Nordics. We've seen quite uh, dramatic falls uh, across Europe. Germany is down almost well around 10%. We've seen weeks in, in Spain and Italy being down 20%, maybe even more growing again now, but still you know, 15% uh, percent below normal. And my fear is that that will kind of affect the Nordic market later on when the auto industry is struggling in Germany and hydro is still producing aluminium maybe to, to stock up. But uh, if that continues, they might need to, uh, to slow production also in the Nordic. But so far, the situation up here in the Nordics looks, looks good, but uh, the recovery will be, uh, be interesting to see and and everybody is talking about whether we'll get a V-shape or a U-shape or an L-shape. And that's something that will determine also power prices going forward. There will be a few years before we, we see the 40 euro mark again in any case, I think. Another important factor is also that you know this extreme weather scenario we've seen this year in the Nordics will likely see the downside more often than we used to do. Because we're building up a power surplus and wet, windy airs will push the power price further down than they did before. So it's uh, at least before uh, we get the new cables to UK and Germany that will uh, ease the situation somewhat. But the coming years, the uh, 
the downside is definitely larger than the upside on weather. Do you see there, I mean, you have the, uh, you also used to have the cold price, like a marginal price setter in the Nordic region, which pre- probably also explains this uh, long-term expectations of 40 euros, uh, 40, 50 euros. Uh, no, the gas prices have collapsed. Are they sort of taking over as the long-term guidance? And with the gas price fall, is that just... Does it mean we will still have very low prices now for years to come? Yeah, I think definitely we'll see that uh, gas prices will grow in importance. You see that coal-fired power is pushed out of the market, you know, on, on market terms uh, today. Uh, and going forward, I mean, the the regulatory changes will lead in the same direction with with the coal phase out in uh, in Germany, etc. So gas will definitely be uh, becoming a, a more important fuel, also for Nordic power. You have to also remember that the gas price we see currently, uh, it's extremely low and it's also driven by some of the same factors, factors as the, uh, the Nordic power price. We've had a very uh, warm winter across uh, Europe uh, and at the same time, we've built up a lot of LNG capacity. So there's definitely an oversupply and, and the supply haven't been able to, uh, to adjust to the, to the situation we've seen during the winter. And, and gas prices also started to fall uh, long before the, the coronavirus uh, hit Europe. So I think although gas prices may stay uh, low also going forward, they will, uh, they will definitely uh, recover from the very low levels we're, we're seeing currently. And do you think then, carrying on from Olaf's question, that do you think that that's going to be what the Nordic market is going to look to as a price setter rather than yeah. traditionally it's been coal and the marginal cost of coal, but do you think it's going to gas is going to come to the forefront here and, and be more crucial. Yeah, definitely. I think we kind of get, we had two steps here. The coming years, gas will become more and more important. And then going further out on the, on the curve or beyond the, the traded curve, we will see that the, uh, the long run marginal cost of new renewables will, uh, will be the price anchor. So from having a situation where coal has been the most important fuel, gas will be in the medium term and then uh, cost of renewables or different also kinds of flexibility in Europe in the very long term. We've used to a market where uh, demand, no, sorry, where the supply side is really where you have the flexibility, adjusting up and down the hydropower or gas fire in Europe. I think hydrogen might be play a more important role in the very long term in Europe uh, and also more kind of traditional supply flex, uh, demand side flexibility, sorry, uh, will be more important. Such as? Being able to to switch up and down your your regular consumption with batteries, electric cars, you actually get get paid to uh, to slow down uh, your consumption. More infrastructure cables will also lead to that flexibility, and I think uh, hydrogen will be, or we in Tem at least believe that hydrogen will be important. Green hydrogen, where you can produce hydrogen based on renewable sources when you have excess uh, production. And you can bring some of that back to the power sector when you don't produce enough power from renewables. Yeah, you had a good example there in Denmark um, <clears throat> last week. There's a big project going on in uh, outside of the uh, Bornholm Island. You see more of those hydrogen projects now coming in the ten year term, maybe. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a question of, of cost first and foremost. Uh, you need to get the cost down, and there's also. A question about the business models to being used. I mean, in new technologies, you you would like to have some certainty in both your cost and your your income side. So many are looking at stable power load and doing PPAs maybe, but 
what's really needed is is to use some of that flexibility and and rather use the spot market so you can produce very cheaply when power is virtually zero priced and then bring it back again into the market at, at high priced hours. So if I can just interrupt them, Marisa, I just, I'm intrigued to know what you know the, the demand side measures, batteries, hydrogen, et cetera, even cables, what will that do to prices and price volatility? I mean, will it flatten them out? Will it, will it decrease that? Because now, I mean, some days are crazy volatile mm. uh, and, and purely on the base of wind and, and solar or hydro production. So yeah. what, what would the impact be there on this, this increased flexibility? Well, well, it's going in a way both ways. I think I think we definitely will see large volatility going forward, uh, and the different technologies are used in different ways and in different time frames. I think we'll see batteries most on you know the very short time frames, the intraday to move consumption a few hours. Hydrogen you can store for longer periods of time. There will probably also be a, a market that is larger than in the power sector, outside of the power sector for transport industries, etc. So that would serve more as a hydro reservoir in a way, and at least a way that you can move uh, more energy over longer time periods. It will definitely increase volatility to get all these unregulated uh, new production in forms of unregulated hydro, wind, and solar. But storage technologies, both in forms of of batteries and hydrogen, will kind of lower some of that volatility again, because you're able to soak up the excess uh, production in hours where renewable production is extremely high. So that will, uh, will lift prices somewhat in those hours. And it will lower the extreme peaks in other hours when you have too little production. So it's a more sort of extreme version or a more permanent solution to what we've seen happening to, to solar. Yeah. You know, the solar and the midday peaks where it's just flattened out those price peaks. So it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a similar kind of idea. It's a similar kind of idea. You know, I think we'd like to like to move discussion onto PPAs. So I think that's a very interesting environment now. But just before we... Do we go there, Marius? I mean, do you think that the low prices now that we're seeing in the Nordic uh, market are holding back investments? So far, we haven't really really seen that. We expected investments to be flattening out, at least in Norway now, when we've come to a close on, on the investment period and the L certificate system, although that didn't mean that much because prices are so low now. But every, there was a really large push to get online by the end of 2021. We expected it to slow down after that. Uh, when we've now also seen the growing opposition and a revision of the uh, the licensing system, that also dampens the willingness to to invest. So far, we've seen uh, new projects making you know final investment decisions uh, both in Norway and, and Sweden. But it's going to be interesting whether these rather short term fluctuations or low price period will will mean that you slow down investments. I think it also depends a bit on who is investing. The typical utilities who haven't been very active in, in especially onshore wind, they're more used to handling these uh, wet years. I mean, it happens everywhere, every once in a while and has for decades. So they're more used to that. To financial investors may, uh, that doesn't know the power market as well as some of the utilities but might be a bit more frightened. And you also always see uh, that the forward market is very adaptive. So even you know prices three four years ahead uh, are moving down when you have a have a wet year, which is 
uh, fundamentally not right. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I also heard some some talks in the market of, of companies trying to renegotiate their PPA deals because of uh, this year's price fall has sort of made some of the long term analysis also getting lower for 2025, 2030. So that they are now. Uh, have you seen that that there are some renego- renegotiations going on? No, no, not that I've been aware of, but I mean, nobody wants to show us their, their price in the contracts anyway. But of course, we, we read some news that, that prices have fallen in the, in the PPA market as well. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see going forward. I think one issue that's been there for a few years is that uh, our analysis and, and most other analysts' analysis as well has, has showed long-term prices above the forward market. And now you you see the forward market even lower. Of course, we've also adjusted down our, our short-term, medium-term price projections uh, somewhat, but they might be more aware of, of the downside uh, when they've actually seen it happening. Because there's, there's been some, you know, so some voices in the market will say I've been critical to the fact that analysts always price, you know, especially in terms of in the in the context of PPA's price way above market prices or yeah. previously captured prices. So, I mean, that, what, what's your view there? I mean, I'm putting on the spot a bit here, Maris, because yeah, you are an analyst, yeah, maybe course. with some of those uh, <laughs> those types of papers that you put out. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're still about the market and, and uh, I have some some problems really uh, explaining why the market is so low going a few years uh, ahead as well. So I think we, we still are priced above. We've had interesting discussions with a lot of investors and, and clients and there's obviously Obviously, no clear answer to that. There's uh, different opinions and different arguments, but you know we feel comfortable with those assumptions we we make and are open on them and, and uh, the fundamental price level that that leads to basically. Fair enough, absolutely fair enough. I understand it correctly. The PPA market, if we can call it a market or, or a sector, was was slowing down before COVID nineteen struck. But now, what's happened during the coronavirus time? Do you expect things to to pick up afterwards, or will it take some time? I think it will take some time and I think we'll see with or without the, the COVID-19 virus would we'll see changes to that market. What we've seen so far is a lot of large players on, on the demand side going in, large aluminium companies, data centers, etc. And you don't have too many of those. So for some of the large players in key sectors, they maybe bought what they need for, for quite some time. So what we saw also before is restructuring or how you do PPAs. If you have a large wind project, which was very attractive a year or two ago, now you would l- rather make two or three PPAs out of that volume than going towards one customer with a, with a large PPA. What's the reason for that? More flexibility? or More flexibility and, and the ability also for smaller players to do PPA. The market for the Alcoas and, and Facebook and Google may be saturated. So you have to look for, for different kind of, okay. of consumers. So that might lead to smaller volumes in, in the PPAs. And, and you mentioned the levelized cost of energy for wind power. Where is it now? Is it like 30 euros or um, you see it moving down into the 20s? The onshore wind, I mean, is moving fast. The cost has been moving quite fast down the last few years. I, I think eventually we'll, we'll see a slowdown in that. So it's, it's rather the 30s than, than the 20s now. We see or we hear about PPAs being done below 30 as well, but most of them are, are maximum 10 years. And uh, the investor is rather making money on the volume above the PPA that they put into the market and the volumes beyond the 10 years of the of the PPA. Where is the main hesitation uh, in, in PPAs? Or where's the main uncertainty? Is it is it on the supplier side, the utility, the 
developer and the corporate side? Where, where do you see it? Or is it across the board? I think it's it's across the board. When situations like the one we're in right now happens, of course, it increases uncertainty at all levels. We see that projects has been moving forward. The investor or the utility starts to hesitate. I mean, what is the new normal is basically what they're asking because they understand that, you know, this is short-term period with very low prices, but has something fundamentally changed so that you will see a new and, and lower normal going forward. And I guess the thoughts on, on the demand side is basically the same. If I can do a better deal by waiting six months a year, I'll rather wait. Yeah, uh, of course. I mean, I can go out in the market and, and source really cheap power today anyway. Mm, yeah, for sure. I mean, what are your expectations of, of future balancing costs? I mean, that's a, that's a important part of any PPA deal. I mean, for example, in Finland, uh, what, are you, what would your be assumptions here? I mean, we we don't have a standard valuation of the balancing markets. I, I think what's going to be interesting going forward is is back to the technology side again. Uh, if you get cheap batteries mm. in uh, that can even out some of that volatility and be used in in the balancing markets, I, I think we will see price levels much below what we see today. So. The question is, you know, for the hydropower, will they get the increased competition from, from other technologies going forward? I think that's that's one of their fears. And what about financing here? Have the, the negative prices we discussed earlier, I mean, have they sort of scared off banks from uh, lending money to these projects? It's difficult to say. I mean, many of the, of the banks that has been present in, in the market for, for quite some time, again, they're like the utilities. They've been here. They know that, you know, we will see wet years, windy years occasionally and kind of keep the long-term view. But of course, uncertainty again definitely increases. What is the new normal, I guess, is also the question they they pose. So it might be more difficult uh, also to get to financing. And that's also one argument that we could see more investments by by utilities rather than foreign funds that need project finance. Maybe you you will get back to to the way we used to to, uh, finance the hydropower projects. Mm, Interesting. This is a fascinating area, Maris, and uh, we could talk at length about this, but uh, you know, there's, there's certain areas that we haven't even touched upon, but uh, we'd love to discuss with you again. And it's, it's great to have you on the pod as ever, Maris. So thank you very much for joining us today. We've been, I think we've been adopting very clearly social distancing here. Yes. We, we kept, we've kept a meter, meter and a half apart from each other. Just so you know, listeners, we're not, we're not all tucked in here. But thank you, Maris. Thank you all, love. And that's all for us this week. Remember to keep up to date with all us stories on Montel News. Follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. Thank you and goodbye.